You are listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 50. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. This is Jen Hempel, your host. I'm so glad you are here with me today. If you see a change in my voice, well, you are correct as I am going through a cycle of a cold. I am excited to share with you that our Her Money Matters community continues to grow and the conversations, the support, the sharing that is going on there is so fantastic. So if you have not joined, I invite you to join us. It's free and you can go to jenhemphill.com forward slash community. Today, our guest, I'm really pumped to have her on our show. So naturally, when a team member of the U.S. Treasury reached out to me with their interest of being a part of this podcast, I was humbled. I mean, think about it. The U.S. Treasury personally, or a team member uh, personally emailing me. That was a surreal moment for you. Now take a moment to think about what is the first thing that you think of when someone says U.S. Treasury. Chances are that you are thinking dollar bills. That's what we normally think of. But the reality is that within the U.S. Treasury, there's a broader scope to what they do and that we as consumers don't necessarily know about. So that's my mission today is to share that with you along with my guest. So that way you get to know another piece of the U.S. Treasury beyond the dollar bills and to get to know more personally a senior official of the U.S. Treasury. So let's talk about what you are going to learn in today's episode. You're going to learn her background and why her path took her all the way to serving as a senior official and also the influence that her sons had over this. And the one characteristic your personal finance system should have, you're also going to learn about the number one reason behind the launching of the MyRA, what it is and who it is for, and a behind-the-scenes insider as to what we can be looking out for from the U.S. Treasury next. So let me share with you a little bit about Miss Melissa Quaidy. Melissa Quaidy joined the U.S. Treasury Department to serve as the Deputy Assistant Secretary responsible for matters concerning consumer policy. Her office develops and coordinates the Treasury Department's legislative and regulatory policies as they relate to retail financial services offered by banks and non-bank financial services companies. In addition to leading the Treasury's consumer policy agenda, Mrs. Ms. Coity leads the Treasury's efforts to examine emerging trends in financial services and growing use of technology and data in financial services. Ms. Coity supports the Secretary in his leadership of the Financial Literacy and Education Commission And she is the executive director for the President's Advisory Council on Financial Capability for Young Americans. 
Most recently, Ms. Koida was a vice president of policy at the Center for Financial Services Innovation, where she established and led the organization's Washington, D.C. policy office. So I am excited to introduce Ms. Melissa Koida. Melissa Coide to the Her Money Matters podcast. I can't express enough how thrilled I am to have you here. It is a pleasure to join you and everybody who will be listening to this. I have to say this is my first podcast, so I'm I'm probably even more excited to join you. (laughs) Well, that is exciting. And I have to say it is an honor for me because you are representing the U.S. Treasury. And to me personally, it just means a lot that the U.S. Treasury is interested in talking more closely uh, to the people. And I know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes there, but some of us really aren't aware what the U.S. Treasury fully does. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's great that you're going to give us a little scope into that. So I'm excited to do that. No, and I, I think you. we really need these opportunities to tell people what we're doing. Um, sometimes it's rather obtuse, and we are doing a lot of different both policy and programmatic um, efforts around really helping individuals and families better manage their money. So it's great to be a part of this conversation with you and share a bit about something that we are really excited we've just announced. But I will save that when we get a little further. Yes, yes. So I'm excited because I'm all about talking about money and getting better with managing it and getting and being confident uh, with it. So perfect. So let's go get ahead and get started. I would love to know a little bit about you and how you grew up with your with around money. So your personal money story. Sure. So I, um, I came to this position really focused on consumer financial services after, gosh, it's probably been 15, even 20 years since I started working in policy, where very early on, um, my first job out of college was working for the mayor in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I'm from. And we were solely focused on how are we helping young people in the city of Louisville, especially young kids who are growing up without a lot of money, without a lot of resources, how are we helping them get a leg up um, and really sort of get the opportunity to get to get a good education, get to college, and really kick off with a solid first job that would help them earn the income necessary to build their own financial resiliency for the long term. And one thing led to another, as it is often the case, one job led to another, and I ended up coming here to Washington, D.C. In fact, I'd worked at the Treasury Department many years ago and continued to stay focused on this really important need of helping young people and families, especially more disadvantaged families, get the opportunities to build their financial resiliency to build their savings, and ultimately start to build their long-term wealth opportunities. So it's uh, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, It's something that I have been working on for a long time. And frankly, it's also what makes me really excited about what we've been doing here at Treasury. Love it. And what do you feel struck um, your interest in this area of personal finance and the consumer policy? 
Um, I think what what really strikes my interest, and in, in it's, um, I have to say, I sort of see it in my own uh, household with my own kids. I've got three young uh, sons, twins who are 11 and an eight-year-old. It's just how much, really, when we start to talk about um, finances and money and making decisions about needs versus wants, the earlier we start with kids. Um, and introducing not only sort of the concepts or the big ideas, but the opportunities to exercise, making those kinds of decisions and judgments, it really does start to shape how they think about even managing something as little as their allowance. So, I, I, you know, you heard me say my career has been focused on this for the long term. Uh, over the past 11 years, I've also been able to bring that home really to the experiences that my kids are getting um, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really a way, I think, to, you know, make sure that we're engaging with our kids and teaching them the lessons that get them started um, on a solid financial footing for the longer term. That's great because you got to definitely take advantage of those money teachable moments <laughs> <do>. conversations <laughs> out and about, whatever it may be, because they're, they just soak so much, so they much really stuff do. in. It's, it's, it's amazing. It and tell me a little bit about with your experience, because you've had a great experience and background, what do you feel is the kind of system that best works for people who are wanting to manage the, that, that personal finance better? So I love this question because um, we spend a lot of time thinking about really does what does make the difference in somebody or an individual or a head of a household and their level of financial stability and resiliency versus, you know, somebody in a very comparable position who maybe isn't as stable. And there probably should be more research on this topic than there is so far. But one of the things that I have picked up, and I've heard others in the world of consumer finance talk about this, a, a key difference seems to be, it's actually what you have in your question, it seems to be whether or not an individual or a head of a household actually has a system. It doesn't have to be a particular system, uh, but it really is about having a system or maybe a little more accessible way to say it, having a routine for how you pay attention to your finances. Um, you know, for some, it may be just very meticulously balancing the checkbook you know, on a weekly basis. For others, it may be using some of these online personal financial management tools. But it, I think, really is about the dedication to whatever that system is that works for you that gets you routinely thinking about your money. And it's, it's importantly about thinking about your short-term, you know, financial decisions that you're making, but also really having a system that brings you to think about what are your medium and your long-term aspirations and routinely using that system. So I, I, I like that question. It was a little bit of an aha when somebody at a conference I was attending made that point. The difference just seems to be those who have these systems and those who don't. And I frankly, once again, thought about my own personal finances and realized, yeah, I mean, this is in many ways about just having that means of staying attentive to my money. Right. And you said a key point that I love, absolutely love, is what works for the individual. Because uh, as we know, personal finance is just 
personal it's unique <laughs> and what i yeah and what i love about speaking with the women that i speak to such as yourself and then hearing them talk about how they particularly manage the money it's a little different yes mm-hmm. some do use spreadsheets some use apps some just use a traditional pencil and paper right, but right. it's a system that they that has worked for them and if it works continue using it yeah that's right that's right so, that's exactly right so I would love to know more about the MyRA and what it is. Absolutely. Well, I am happy to share information about our MyRA. Um, MyRA is a new pre-retirement savings product that we, the U.S. Treasury Department, developed and launched late last year. And the big punchline is, is after a number of years of research that Treasury was doing really to understand what are the savings needs of Americans across this country, and I mean real research, going out, interviewing, collecting information, we realized that there are millions of Americans who want and would benefit from a, an accessible, simple safe and affordable starter retirement account that will help them get on the road to building their long-term financial resiliency. I could go on, but you, you keep asking and I'll give you more of the details. Sure. So tell us, so it's a simple, it's safe, uh, easy to start up with are some of the key things that I'm getting here. So who exactly would this, who do you yeah. see this to be for? So, very good question. Um, this product is designed uh, especially with the 40 million Americans who are working, who are earning income, or their households are earning income. And I know that's especially important for your audience. Uh, but they may not have access to a employer-sponsored retirement plan. So there are a lot of people in this country, and frankly, the numbers are growing, whereby people are working for one employer or multiple employers. They may be transitioning from one job to the next um, a lot more frequently than we saw, say, 50 years ago. And the ability to, and the, actually the obligation, really, to start to build um, retirement savings or just even money for the long term really is dependent on that individual making those choices and making those decisions and finding the products that enable them to do that. And so what we realized, uh, we, the federal government, is that we could basically, using our own authorities, build a starter retirement plan or starter retirement account that people who otherwise don't have access to a retirement account can start to build some savings and build it up to a certain amount, to a certain threshold, uh, and then they will have enough money that they can then, we hope without fees and um, other sort of additional expenses, be rolled over into the private sector where those monies that they've been saving can continue to grow and really grow at a rate that enables them to be, you know, sure-footed financially in their later years. 
Okay. So it's a, a starting, it's a place to start with, but not a permanent Yes. And I think, that's, I think that's really important. Um, this is a product which, frankly, compared to savings rates in the market overall, the, the, mm-hmm. the earnings on this are quite a bit higher. Um, you know, the past couple of years, it's been 25 to a little over 3% APY. Um, that's so that's, that's actually pretty, you know, pretty notable compared to your traditional. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Savings account rates, um, 1% yes. or less. <laughs> Uh, but we all know, and it's important for your listeners to know, that kind of return isn't what's going to ensure your sort of <laughs> whatever your vision of your retirement looks like. This isn't necessarily going to get you there, but this is definitely going to get you on the road to being in a position where, frankly, the market's going to want to be able to offer you a decent option, um, and you'll be able to then grow and invest. I think one of the important things to call out about the MIRA is um, we say that it's simple and it's safe. It's safe in that it is principal protected. So in this account, you're not going to be losing money. Your principal is protected. Whereas when you do get to the point where you are investing in the market, you obviously are taking the risks that come with an investment in the market. Right. And there is a max that it, uh, you can put in the IRA, correct? You mean in, in, in total? In- in total, yes. Yeah. So our our intention is that people will be able to contribute. The number that we have been working with is up to fifteen thousand okay. dollars, and then you will be uh, we expect uh, rolling over into the private sector. You could be rolling your monies over into the private sector before that. There's no prohibition on rolling your IRA over earlier. But what we're trying to do is really serve as that bridge, right, between the people who want to save but who don't feel like they have enough money to save, who may feel constrained, who may want something that's a little safer before they make a big move into an investment product, an IRA or something else, um, really to give them the ability to start to slowly build that savings. One of the other advantages of IRA is there's no minimum contributions or and meaning you can put in as little as $5, you know, a week or a month. You can contribute whatever, according to whatever sort of fits your particular um, budget needs. And it's a way to help people really start to begin to build that savings habit and to see the value and the benefits and the growth that comes when you start to build savings for the long term. Okay, perfect. So you can see the advantages of something like this, especially for young people, um, especially for young people who don't have an employer-sponsored plan. Right. No, definitely. I can see that. And I was reading there that there are some stipulations, because you mentioned you have to be employed. Uh, But what about, I'm thinking of stay-at-home moms. Great question. I'm thinking of military Mm -hmm. spouses or the spouses of those... um, expats or the DOD, uh, would they qualify because they're not going to necessarily have the income? They do. How does that work? Absolutely. They do qualify. And I'm really glad you're asking that question. Um, If you are, if you file a joint return and have earned income, 
and don't exceed the annual income limits, and those are the Roth IRA limits. I can give you those in just a second. Then you and your spouse can both save in separate MyRA accounts. So if you are a mom who stays home, works from home, as I like to say, um, you and you're, you have a spouse who's earning income and you all are filing jointly, the mom herself can actually open a MyRA and start to make contributions into it. It also doesn't matter which spouse earns the income. The dad who's staying at home can also open a MyRA. Right, right. Yeah, this also applies to that for sure. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about the difference between the MyRA and an IRA. Great question. So we have designed the MyRA account to be to basically comply with the Roth IRA rules. And the main difference here is it's uh, post-tax, meaning your contributions to your MyRA follow the Roth IRA rules, and you're putting money in after you pay taxes on your income versus okay. pre-tax, which is a traditional IRA structure. And right. the benefits of that are and I, I think this is something that's really important for your listeners too, is the monies that you were contributing to your MyRA are essentially accessible to you, the contributions that you've made. You can, you can use those. You might have shorter-term savings or emergency needs where you need to turn to something, right? There's a, mm-hmm. you know, a leak in the roof and you need some resources to turn to. You can basically draw upon your contributions without the tax penalties that you would otherwise get if you were saving in a traditional IRA product. Okay. All right. Perfect. And if you have an IRA, because I'm trying to say (laughs) IRA and MyRA, I feel like I'm about to say the same thing twice. So if you have an an IRA, you can still qualify for an or the MyRA. Yes, you can still qualify. Your limitations here are on your broad limitations in terms of annual contributions to an IRA. So if you're under age 50, you can contribute up to $5,500 in a IRA or a Roth IRA, which includes the MyRA. And if you're over 50 you can contribute annually up to $6,500. All right. And I don't want to lose your, um, you almost said your readers, your, your listeners, but it's also important for somebody to um, check out the MyRA because there are the benefits too, depending upon your income, of tax deductions for contributing to these types of retirement plans. Yes, and I'll definitely be sure to include a link to that in the show notes so uh, they can uh, check that out because it is a very, the website was designed very well. It's easy to follow. I felt um, easy to read through and understand everything. Um, I think it was laid out very well. Great. Well, that's great feedback. I'll I'll definitely pass that on to the team. We spent a lot of time (laughs) on that website. (laughs) I bet. Well, it's a lot, especially when you're trying to communicate to an audience. There's just so much that goes into the site, what you want to communicate, how it should be communicated so you can relay the message that you want to relay. So I I think you all did a good good job. That's nice to hear. Thank thank you for that. That's great. (laughs) 
And this has been great. I know, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, when we think of the U.S. Treasury, we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes necessarily. We think of bills, you know, we think of that, uh, the currency uh, and Mm -hmm. all that. So this has been like a great um, education as to there's other things that goes on in the U.S. Treasury. (laughs) So this is great. This is great to know. We do more than issue our, uh, yeah, our notes. (laughs) Yes. And this is just a small piece of what you shared, because I'm sure there's a whole lot that goes on that could be the podcast would be very long if we shared all that. So tell us, is there anything else that we can be on the lookout for in the near future from the U.S. Treasury? Well, I'm afraid this news has already been spilled, but I'll go ahead and share it anyway. um, In fact, I, I think this was garnering more attention than anything else we might have been talking about. But we have decided who will be the prominent woman who will be featured on the 20. Punchline, you've probably heard this already, but we're really excited. To, um, uh, Secretary Liu has decided that we're going to feature Harriet Tubman on the $20 note. And uh, it is awesome, right? I mean, we women, we, we lead our households. We, you know, we think a lot about... We think a lot about money, so isn't it about time we have a really important woman from our history featured on our money? So we're quite excited about that, and then we are going to be featuring a number of other prominent women on some of the other notes as well. So, um, oh, yeah. exciting! Yeah, That's, yeah. So, is there a whole process? Uh, I mean, you don't have to go into full detail. I was just curious of how it's decided who goes on the. <laughs> I'm sure it's like a huge elaborate process, possibly. I don't know. I'm just curious. No, it's a great question. And I will tell you, um, I mean, I work here in the Treasury Department in, uh, you know, basically a part of the policy team. And this has to have been the tightest um, secrecy around who ultimately is going to be featured on our notes. So, yes, there there is a big process around it. Uh, but it is a small team who's really thinking those things through. So I wish I could tell you more, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it was it was it was quite quite exciting around here when we finally all heard who was going to be featured. Um, but there is there's a website I want to share two with you. One on our currency. If people are interested in learning more, there in fact there might be more about the process. Um, they can go to Modern Money. .treasury.gov and yeah and then of course on our MyRA product we really encourage people to check it out enroll um, uh, that website is myra.gov perfect and I'll like I said, I'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. So that way, it's easy to go click and go to those sites. This has been fabulous, Melissa, I'm really yeah, I'm excited. And I celebrate you as well as a woman and the position that you're in and making just an impact. So I want to compliment you and celebrate you because I from one from one woman to yeah. another, I love seeing women in, the, in those positions. Me too. So it's Me great. Too. And kudos to you for for doing this cast. I mean, I'm I'm. It's it's good information, and um, I know a lot of people get a lot of value from it. So thank you for doing it. Keep it up, no matter where you uh, where your feet are landing, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's why I'm do I do this. It's something yeah. I can take with me for sure. And be sure to well, open a IRA. Been- <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, right? And Melissa, as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because... Oh, I, I, I mean, her money matters because she, the we, the, the women are, frankly, so often the decision makers, right? We're the ones who are planning for the short term, planning for the long term. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I think making sure that we women are informed and empowered with respect to our money makes all the difference for us and for our kids and future generations. So it, it almost just goes without saying in my mind. Um, we all really need to be able to know and take control of our finances. I agree. Well, that is great. Fabulous. I, again, I really appreciate it. It's been an honor talking with you today. And thank you so much, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me and to the Her Money Matters listeners. Super. Great talking to you too. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So what did you think? Good stuff, right? If the MIRA, as you were listening to Miss Melissa Coyte speak, if it struck a chord, meaning you know this is something that could be useful for you, maybe you haven't started saving for retirement, and this could be the tool for you, check it out. There will be a link for that in the show notes. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but throughout the interview, she used the term financial resiliency. So I want to talk about it in a little bit. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to Miltonia. She is one of our listeners and she's also a part of the Her Money Matters community over on Facebook. So I have to tell you, she has jumped in supported members of our community, and she's really working hard on her own journey to paying off her debt. So Miltonia, thanks for being a part of the community. I want to remind you that you aren't alone. Keep doing what you need to do to keep yourself motivated and in action, and we are here for you. So let's talk about financial resilience. It is the ability to withstand events that impact one's one's income and or assets. Uh, These events can be unemployment, divorce, disability, health problems, and they all affect us differently, right? So I wanted to talk about it because as we know, we're all, all handed different cards and it is up to us, not only how we play those cards, but how we react to those cards and how we take care of them too. In episode 44, there were three words that I said that really struck a chord with many of you. Then these three words were confidence, patience, flexibility. And if you think about it, this is a part of this financial resiliency. When life is throws you a curveball, When something happens, you need confidence. You also need that patience to get through it. You need that flexibility to be able to do, uh, maybe adapt, um, maybe change something in your life uh, to get through those tough times, right? So you need those three things. This is what's going to get you through this uh, moment, uh, through these hard times, so you can get to your end goal. 
So you have to make sure you build and maintain your confidence that you figure out if you're not necessarily a patient um, person that you have to do some soul searching and figure out how to build that patient. If you're not so flexible, you got to, again, do some soul searching and become learn how to become more flexible. And that will help you reach that end goal of your finance, your financial goals and get through uh, those hard times and be what's called financial resilient, right? Next week, we will have another guest, a certified financial planner, and she will be sharing her thoughts on what a good retirement cushion looks like and so much more. So be sure to tune in for that one on next Thursday for episode 51. That is crazy to me. Episode 51. Wow. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Miss Melissa Quaidy for being on the show. I want to thank the U.S. Treasury team and the MyRA team as well, because it took a whole team to make this happen. So I really want to appreciate all of you uh, for making this happen. And for Melissa, just for sharing all your knowledge and the valuable information. For the rest of you, make sure that you check out the show notes. That way you will be able to find out more about what the MyRA is. And there was another link she mentioned as well. So you can check that out at jenhempill.com forward slash 50. So thanks again so much for joining me today. And I'll talk to you next Thursday. Thursday.